You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to the ancestors, to yours and to mine, to those people who lived well and died well, those people who met the challenges of their time and through um, hell and high water, they figured out how to be the people that they needed to be. And so I ask these ancestors to be with us here today to bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines, that we might be touched by that legacy, that we might draw on that legacy and use that legacy to learn from those who have gone before us. May we please stop making the same mistakes again and again and again and to go forward in a way that shows we have learned from the mistakes of humanity and they are willing to be here in a new way that allows us to create a world that those who are coming would be proud to inherit. And so we call out to these ancestors and ask them to help us to learn from our past, to be innovative and creative and to heal here as the living and to open the way for an ever so very different future, one that has much greater respect for all living things. And so with these ancestors gathering around, let us focus our energy from our heads to our hearts, our hearts to our bellies, and reach down from our belly to the earth, and in this moment, give gratitude to the earth, this most ancient of ancestors, this most essential of ancestors, this ancestor without whose health we will all be gone. So we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we know it to the face of this planet with all of its diversity, all of its beauty, all of the many, many ways that life expresses itself here. We give thanks to the earth and we ask her to help us to understand how to cooperate and coordinate and to be one with all the living things here. We give thanks to the earth for the journey that has brought us to this moment for all that is and all that will be. And we give thanks for the generosity in this dream that allows us to change as long as we are still breathing. And with great gratitude for the miracle of life that we all share, let us reach down through all the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to flow from our hearts as we go into each layer of the earth, as we reach all the way down to the very center of the earth. And let us connect in the center of the earth with the stillness and the silence with the darkness, with the peace, with the sense of potential not yet in form, all of this energy waiting to come into some form or shape of life here on the face of this great planet. And so we reach down into this energy, this silvery, clear, crystal pure energy and draw it up as we would draw water to our lips on a parched and hot day. We draw the energy of the earth up through all the layers of the earth into our being and into our body. And in this way, we bring into ourselves this essential energy of restoration and rejuvenation to refresh and replenish, to revitalize, to make new, to repair. We call this energy in and we ask the earth to help us to understand how to ground how to live in a way that is grounded deep into the earth that allows us to be present in our body and to understand that we are here to express spirit in form through our physical body. We give thanks to the earth and we ask the earth to help us to understand how to take a stand. And from that place that we take a stand to understand a sense of home and hearth and belonging. And that may we do this in a way that opens our doors to those who are different than we are, who think differently and speak differently and are different. And when we let those conversations that will ensue over a good meal and fresh water, may we let those conversations that would ensue help us to become better people 
and do what we've come here to do in our lives. So we ask the energy of the earth to help us to continue to understand in this way connection. Connection within ourself, connection with others. The interconnection and interdependence of all life here on earth and ultimately that deeper energy underneath it all that is that great web of life. We ask the energy of the earth to help us to take a moment and tune in there in the web and to understand our place in the oneness. And we connect then with ourself in right relationship, with others in right relationship, with the environment and the invisible world. And with the energy of the earth all around us, moving in our body, let us draw it up from our belly to our hearts, our hearts to our mind, and let us reach up and out through the top of our head, out into the sky, and whatever weather it holds for you today, and out through the atmosphere. All the way up and out into the cosmos, all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know that energy, know it. Name it. See yourself in it and it in you. Connect with this energy as you begin to draw it down. Drawing this golden energy down from above. Bringing in to yourself, into these proceedings, into your day. Bringing in this energy of blessing. This energy of protection and generosity, bringing in the benevolence of this universe, all the wisdom of the cosmos, and the beneficence of this system, calling it all in, bringing in inspiration and illumination, drawing this energy in to yourself, into your head, down into your heart, into your belly, and all the way down then to the center of the earth. And in this way, you open yourself to be a meeting place, for these two great legendary lovers, earth and sky, this, this essence energy that brings this big love to the face of this planet and all these things of form that we experience come birthed of this energy. And we ask that this big love open our own hearts, that it awaken our own spirit in our heart and that it awaken that crucible of transformation that is found only in the heart. And that particular crucible of change that can draw up things of complementary dualism. These things that appear to be so opposite. that We draw them into the heart where they can be together. Drawing up the fiery passions of the belly. Down the crystal clarity of the mind. Drawing it into the heart where they can be together and dance in this dynamic tension. That gives birth to this third and most sacred thing. Some sort of understanding some sense, some clarity, perhaps just a memory like a dream of why you are here. And may you find in that very same human heart the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into the world. And we give great gratitude for the helping spirits gathered around us here today and every day that help us to bring those gifts. May what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I give great gratitude to those of you who are listeners to the show, who are inspired once or many times to donate financially to the show. Uh, without your support, the show would not still be here. It would not be live and on the air and still going now six years into its own life. So I give great gratitude to you. If this show has been meaningful to you in any way, and what I mean by that is it moves you in the heart in some way, even if it irritates the crap out of you, you have been moved. And if it does move you in the heart, I ask you to let that movement in the heart to motivate you into action and to do something large or small to help the show to grow. For this is the most core understanding in shamanic cultures is that true power is mediated through the heart into our actions in the world and in this way we begin to participate in life in a way that is a constant exchange of our energy with the energy of other living things and that if we allow our heart to mediate these actions we will do this in a way that ends up being good for all living things in the long term not just the short term joy of this one little life and so I give thanks for you who are able to donate to the show, especially those of you that have figured out how through your own PayPal account to set up an automatic monthly payment. It's very helpful. It helps me be able to make sure that I have what I need, um, for example, to pay co-creator network to do the production and to help us, that there's a lot of technical help that keeps the show alive and on the air. And without your support, I would not be able to do it. So thank you. 
And if you're not able to support financially, please know there are many, many ways. And this is part of understanding this exchange of energy that is not just about money. I mean, look where those belief systems have gotten us. It is not just about money. There are many ways you can help the show to grow, to discuss the ideas, to wrestle with them, to bring them into your life, bring them into your journey circles, to do things with the ideas so that we begin to be different people on this planet, so that we could become the people who will write a new story for the new world. So thank you all for all that you're doing to help me keep the show available, free and open to anyone who's able to get on the internet and get access to them. So I thank you all for helping me in that. We are not live today. But you are welcome to email me about today's show at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So today is the first in a show about a shamanic view of mental illness. Um, I'm going to try to look at this from some different perspectives. One of the most frequent and interesting show topic suggestions that I receive is a request for more about how shamanism is being used in the contemporary mental health field. And this is actually surprisingly hard to find good guests for. I would love to do an entire year about this. Um, However, good guests and good information about this is challenging. Not that it's not out there. Um, There isn't a shortage of people who want to talk about what they're doing shamanically. But I run into the issue that Sandra Ingerman brought up the last time she was on the show when she was talking about how important it is that we deepen ourselves so that we can deepen our shamanic work. Because, for example, she is constantly getting feedback from vets that um, connect through her website to shamanic practitioners and the practitioners do these cookbook um, soul retrievals that don't really begin to actually deal with the PTSD that these vets are suffering from. And um, so the important thing is to really understand how to engage with what is labeled mental illness in our contemporary culture. We need to actually look deeper into what is really going on. In other words, if we just accept the contemporary explanation of mental illness – and then try to practice shamanism as one as a complementary modality in that explanation of mental illness, we will fail. And that's what these vets are talking about. That we need to understand mental illness as shamans do in other cultures and then apply shamanism through that understanding of mental illness. So the diagnoses are fine for people that are working in that paradigm, but that paradigm is not a shamanic paradigm, and it neuters the capacity of shamanism to actually help people who are suffering in situations that are labeled various kinds of mental illness. So this is what I'd like to explore. So those are who are doing really good pioneering work in this field, um, but they're um, day job requires a license are pretty hesitant to talk openly. You know, because we, you know, therapy and psychology and psychiatry is still a field that pathologizes everything that is part of shamanic work, particularly talking to voices, right? Seeing things that aren't physically here. So there's an issue. And then those who want to build something new run, who actually get into that, are going to run right into big, the big pharmaceutical companies, Right and the and the clampdown and the the um, relationships of mutual benefit that have been forged in my lifetime between the pharmacology around mental illness and those who dispense it. And so, if you try to actually change the system, you run into people who actually make a lot of money out of the system staying exactly the way it is, which is why I had Seth Barber on the show years ago and then did a follow up idea on some of the ideas in that show about spiritual wake- awakenings being um, actually incompatible with the nature of a messianic complex. Those were there's a Seth Barber show and a show about messianic complex. Nonetheless, In spite of all of these hurdles and all of my sort of frustration and dead ends in endeavoring to find us guests for the show, um, I'm going to explore it anyway because that's just the kind of girl I am. So I'm going to start with this article that's circulating around the internet right now, which is a a great article. It's called um, What a Shaman Sees in a Mental Hospital, and it's by Stephanie Marone. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And it um, features Maladoma Patrice Somme, which if you've been listening to the show, you know I spent several years um, studying with and 
consider some of his books really um, seminal and intent and um, absolutely imperative to read if you're going to start to understand shamanism today. So Maldom is a good man. And this particular um, article written for common consumption is actually excerpted from um, a more professional paper for the Natural Medicine Guide to Schizophrenia, Um, pages 178 to 189 for those of you who actually have that um, periodical. So anyway, it's a good article. And it's important that people with a foot in both worlds, one in shamanism and one in academia, write these papers and the related articles because Lord knows they're not going to publish anything I write. You know, and I'm not going to take the time to write a professional paper. If I'm going to write anything, it's going to be a book for you guys. I mean, I've already written an encyclopedia. So I've already, already spent 12 years on that. You know, if I'm going to write something, it's going to be something that helps people make a better world for our grandchildren. You know, nonetheless, there are people that are already in the world, straddling both worlds, do need to write these papers. So for all those reasons, the paper's great. Okay. So what's problematic in my mind, and it's my show, so you're getting what's in my mind. So what's problematic are the comments and how this particular paper is being shared and the um, and reposted and commented on. And so the biggest issue I'm going to say right out the gate is I think the myth that all mental illness is a shaman waiting to happen is really damaging to the larger cause. Because that myth does not guide us accurately in how we would then change the system. And, and the reason that it's a myth is, I mean, it actually, it's, it's kind of like political posturing. It's political posturing around an idea people can rally behind. But the idea itself is a dead end. Because what's true in it, you know, it's got just enough truth to capture people. So what's true in it is there are a lot of what we diagnose as mental illness that is actually a healing relationship with non-ordinary reality, helping spirits, trying to establish it in a human being who is asking for help. Our helping spirits are always trying to come to us, and when we are suffering – Regardless of what we're suffering with, when we are suffering, they respond. And, and our, it's our ignorant attitudes about helping spirits that make that response, that pathologize that response. And so by saying every mental illness is a shaman waiting to happen, while it has a grain of truth in it, it's a dead end because it's actually not ultimately true. What is true? is that these moments of distress and extreme states are these moments when our relationship with the invisible world is trying to establish itself in a way that we will start to make new choices that can lead us back on the path towards health and well-being. And so the problem I have with this whole myth of every illness is a shaman waiting to happen, a mental illness is a shaman waiting to happen, is that it doesn't help us actually constructively a deal with people's suffering and b change the system systematically in a way that we leave a better world for those who are coming that's my problem with that myth so that's and that is generally speaking my problem with how it's being reposted it's like see every mental illness is a healer waiting to happen every mental illness is it's just it's like a bunch of crows just repeating inanely over and over again without actually digging in and understanding what are we really talking about. Okay, so I would like to look at this article, what it is and what it is not saying. And in that, I hope to explore some of how shamans from traditional shamanic cultures, in this case, Maladoma and the Dagra people, not only see what we call mental illness differently, but how they might address it. Because how they might address it could help us understand how we might address it how they do address it could help us understand how we might. So here's the beginning of the article. 
Um, I'm actually going to skip the very first beginning. So in a shamanic view, mental illness signals the birth of the healer, explains Maladoma. These mental disorders and spiritual emergencies and spiritual crises need to be regarded as such to aid the healer in being reborn or in being born. And so the issue here is mental illness signals the birth of a healer. Now we hear that. And what we get from that is the role, the healer. So mental illness gives us a healer, gives us a shaman. And what Maladoma is really talking about is it's the birth of the healing energy, healing archetype relationship in the person, which every adult person in his culture is expected to have. And so... What Maladoma is saying is that what we diagnose as mental disorders are actually this emergence, the spiritual emergence or what we sometimes call a spiritual crisis. And they need to be regarded as such to aid that relationship and being born inside the person, between the person and the healing energy archetype. It does not necessarily mean the person's going to be a healer. Um, so back to the article. So what those in the West view as mental illness, the Dogra people regard as good news from the other world. And that's literally true. The issue is how we interpret that. So she says, the person, the author says, she says the person going through the crisis has been chosen as a medium for a message to the community that needs to be communicated from the spirit realm. Okay. Medium is a really charged word because let's face it. There's a lot of people in our world that have a job called being a medium. And it's a real job. And they do a real thing. And what we seem to refuse to grasp is that for people like Maladoma's people, and frankly, all people on the planet, but they don't realize it, having a natural communication with your helping spirits is normal. It doesn't make you a medium. It makes you human. And this has, of course, been my little soapbox from the very beginning of my shamanic practice is the realization that my ability to journey says nothing about me being a shaman. It just talks about me as a human taking responsibility for being an adult in the world, regardless of my culture. And so this is what Maladoma is really talking about, is that in his culture, it is assumed that every person will have an active working relationship with spirit. And that is the opening of that healing energy. And through that communication with spirit, valuable stuff comes out not only for the individual, but for the community. Because it's a community-based culture. Now, what's really important about this from my perspective and this, this place that we don't understand it, we start calling it things like you're supposed to be a medium, you're supposed to be a shaman instead of, wow, welcome to being a human, time to grow up, excellent. You know, instead of understanding it for what it is, we make this big story. And the problem with that is people eddy out right there into the job of being the medium or the job of being the healer. Without understanding, it's just an archetypal relationship coming online. And there are several others that also need to come online. We need to move around the medicine wheel. In other words, this awakening of the birth of the healer inside of us is, you know, stop number one on the medicine wheel journey to spiritual adulthood. And then we need to keep going on the journey to awaken each of the other primary archetypal energies, the birth of the warrior, the birth of the teacher leader, the birth of the visionary, that these all need to be birthed inside of us in the same way so that we can become a whole, functional, mature, spiritual adult and approach living our life. And none of these things are our job title. And that is, to me, the fundamental problem with how what Maladoma is trying to say is being understood. Nonetheless, I continue. So mental disorders, behavioral disorders of all kinds, signal the fact that two obviously incompatible energies have merged into the same field. And this is what Maladoma is saying. And that, so now, this is useful information, right? Not saying what that means. Oh, that means you're a shaman. It just means for this human, 
their everyday human energy is trying to merge with this non-ordinary reality energy and that that connection isn't open yet it's like the old days when we had dial-up on the internet and it made all those crazy signs uh, signals while it created the handshake and your computer connected to the big computer in the internet right your server basically but that they made all those sounds and then the handshake quote unquote was established and then communication would happen and so that's what maladoma is talking about in people the the crazy noises while the computers were trying to establish their handshake are pre- these things that present as these mental disorders and behavioral disorders of all kinds so this is all that he's talking about it's important, but this is actually what he's saying. So these disturbances result when the person does not get assistance in dealing with the presence of the energy from the spirit realm. And beyond that, when the person not only doesn't get assistance, but then this whole process gets interfered with because of drugs in being introduced, heavy pharmaceutical drugs being introduced in the mix. And then beyond that, the person is having trouble with all of this because they're being raised in a culture that has no healthy explanation for what is going on. So that's the problem. So the problem here is understanding what a maladoma means when he uses English, which is his fourth or fifth language. He's a very intelligent, highly educated man in Western world. English is not anywhere near his first language. And words like healer and medium mean different things to him because in his traditional background is one reason that they are describing a function, not a job title. And he assumes we know that, which, of course, we don't. But also, this is part of the the actual failure of the English language itself to offer us up enough of the right kind of words to talk about this accurately. And I know this from training with Maladoma and having just exactly these kinds of conversations with him. You know, the birth of the healer means the birth of your inner relationship with the healer energy that is initiated through your relationship with your helping spirits you know being a medium then is a function of being in relationship with non-ordinary reality not a job title and it is a function of a normal adult and so from the perspective of maladoma and his culture and many other shamanic cultures you the adult are deaf dumb and blind if you aren't communicating regularly with your ancestors, quote unquote. So your ancestors, you know, the more you work with Maladoma and he keeps throwing around the word ancestors, you realize he doesn't mean just your bloodline ancestors. He doesn't even mean just all your human ancestors from all your incarnations. He means the spirit world. That everybody, nature, the environment, all of these things are our ancestors. They are the spirit world. They And, you know, spirit world is a bad translation. So he uses ancestors. That's what he means by that. But what he's talking about is that you as an adult are deaf, dumb, and blind if you are not regularly communicating with the other world. And as he says in his tradition, his culture, to not regularly communicate with the invisible world is to assure what they actually consider mental illness, which is an adult – who has no guidance, no divine intervention, no relationship with energies that are wiser than they are. All they have is their ego driving them. So what Maldoma is saying is a mental disorder and behavioral disorder of all kinds signal the fact that two obviously incompatible energies have merged into the same field and that all... um, And that all the person needs is assistance learning to work with these energies, which requires help these days from shamans who regularly work with these energies. And that learning to work with these energies results in a direct relationship of communication between humans and spirits. So in the Dagra tradition, the community helps the person reconcile the energies of both worlds. The world of spirit that he or she was merged with, with the village and with the community. Um, that person is able then to serve as a bridge between the worlds and help the living with information and healing that they need. And so this statement that the spiritual crisis ends the birth 
uh, with the birth of another healer is a statement from the article. You know, but what that means is what is perceived of as a spiritual crisis ends with the birth of right relationship with these healing energies that is available to us through our relationship with spirit. So we have to be sure that we really translate the meaning in these words. So the other world's relationship with our world is one of sponsorship, Maladoma says. More often than not, the knowledge and skills that arise from this kind of merger are a knowledge or skill that is provided directly from the other world. In other words, just to put it in simple context, how would I know where to find your soul part? I don't. I couldn't. I never will. But I can ask my helping spirits to take me there directly and voila, soul part. I can understand what's going on with the soul part, grasp the energy, bring it back, put it back in your body, and then support you in integrating it. So in other words, that skill, that capacity to bring back soul parts, I can't do it myself. I don't believe in doing it myself because when I do it myself, I end up in psychological energy. I end up in in intuitive energy. I might even end up in psychic energy. These are all things that are at my disposal as a human. But I do not end up in shamanic energy, which requires this merger Maladoma is talking about, this relationship with our helping spirits. So our misunderstanding of what Maladoma is actually saying, you know, which is having an intimate relationship with the spirit world is normal in Maladoma's village. Um, Everyone has them. What the person does with that relationship has to do with the spirits themselves and the person. For example, a person who is a metal person. That's one of the elements in Maladoma's five-element cosmology, uh, the Dagra five-element cosmology. So, for example, a person who's a metal person will likely use a connection with San, who is the metal spirit, to sponsor becoming an excellent storyteller. So the healing energy the person is connecting with by forging the merger with this energy results in being a great storyteller. So the person who is perhaps a nature person, which is another of the elements in Maladoma's system, um, it, when they come into the, this merger or connection with the Wera, um, one of the spirits in that cosmology, will develop their skills of magic but not necessarily towards healing. And so the birth of the healer is being used to talk about this quality of relationship with your spirit help and allowing the spirit energy we could not otherwise access to come through as gifts that we can then offer the world. And so the important thing is in understanding this is this relationship that I'm calling shamanic work or a shamanic relationship is not equivalent to psychic. One of the beautiful things about Alex Gray's work is he shows this very distinctly in his artwork. They are both valuable sources of information, but they are different. They operate on different levels. And so unfortunately, Marone, the woman who wrote the article, goes on to interpret Maladoma's words for us. Um, You know, of course, we are not the the audience, intended audience for the first article, right? That was supposed to go to academics in the field of psychiatry and psychology. So no wonder. But anyway, so what she says is another way to say this, what Maladoma has said, um, which may make more sense to the Western mind, is that we in the West are not trained in how to deal or even taught to acknowledge the existence of psychic phenomenon, the spirit world. Well, the spirit world isn't limited to psychic phenomenon, That's one aspect of what goes on in the invisible world. But psychic phenomenon has a lot to do with humans and our influence, our invisible influence in the invisible world. The shamanic realm is way bigger than us and our psychic capacities. So anyway, she continues. In fact, psychic abilities are denigrated, which I agree with. Uh, When energies from the spirit world emerge in a Western psyche, the individual is completely unequipped to integrate them or even recognize what is happening because we don't give them that equipment. 
that was my little sidebar. Sorry. So she continues, the result can be terrifying without the proper context for and assistance in dealing with the breakthrough from another level of reality. For all practical purposes, the person is insane. So now she's using the technical words in that profession. So heavily dosing these people with antipsychotic drugs compounds the problem and prevents the integration that could lead to soul development and the growth in the, in the individual who has received these energies. And I don't disagree with that part of what she's saying. I mean, the, the issue here, again, is tap dancing around. How do we use the English language to talk to people in a way they are open to hearing what we're saying? when we know that what we actually need to be doing is about 400 miles further down that same road. But we're just trying to get people on the road. So one of the interesting aspects of the article that really isn't well explored, but I think is one of the most interesting aspects of the article, is Maladoma talking about what he actually does see in um, a mental institution. Um, the different types of energy that he um, sees around the people that have been, you know, diagnosed with some kind of mental illness. Um, and one type of what he is what we've been talking about, which is the helping spirits um, that are meant to be working with and through the person. Um, he brings up another type of energy that is trying to help the person get the medication and the effects of the medication out of the body. And he talks about how these energies are really forceful and very easily misconstrued as not being helpful or compassionate energies, although they are. And then um, to complicate matters with all of these um, help, trying to be helpful spirit energies, we of course have the energies that come in whenever human beings are suffering to feed on human pain and suffering. And so now we have the not so helpful energies. So this is actually one of the most interesting parts of the article because it begins to describe what is actually going on and what needs to be dealt with in practical terms, which takes me back to my point about my issue with the myth about mental illness leads to shamans is it's not helpful. This is actually helpful to start breaking down what is going on. Therefore, how do we approach the problem? So it's one of the most interesting parts of the article because it describes what needs to be dealt with in practical terms. And alas, the article is not there yet. You know, it's just, tr again, it's just trying to get people on the road. It's not actually ready to go down the road yet. Um, so what Maladoma says is Western culture has consistently ignored the birth of the healer. Now, with your understanding what he means, the birth of this healing relationship between humans and spirits, I utterly agree with that statement if we interpret it correctly. So now I agree completely with this when we understand this as the archetypal healer and in other words, how we each bring the healing energy into all that we do. And then we need to move on around that wheel and create the same kind of open relationship with the invisible world, with the warrior and each of the archetypes that is necessary. And the problem is we don't understand that our spiritual maturity only begins with, only begins with this birth of the healer Maladoma is talking about. And then we must continue. And so our, in other words, our long-term mental health requires that we not only understand this birth of the healer properly, but we continue around the wheel birthing all of these relationships with our non-ordinary reality helping spirits. And this allows us to create a balanced, mature humans who can then approach their soul's purpose, purpose without attachment to titles or over-identification with roles. So Maladoma continues that consequently... There will be a tendency from the other world to keep trying as many people as possible in an attempt to get someone's attention. And they have to try harder. The spirits are drawn to people whose senses have not been anesthetized. And the, sense, uh, the sensitivity is pretty much read as an invitation to come in by the spirit world. And so those who develop the so-called mental disorders are those who are sensitive in this way, which is viewed in Western culture as an over-sensitivity to judgment, right? Not necessarily accurate. So in indigenous cultures, it's not seen that way. And as a result, as a result sensitive people don't experience themselves as, 
quote-unquote overly sensitive. There's no judgment there. So in the West, Maladoma says, it's the overload of the culture that we're in that is just wrecking the sensitive people who are sort of ready, willing, and able to create these connections with the invisible world. He says the frenetic pace, the bombardment of the senses, and the violent energy that characterizes Western culture can overwhelm sensitive people. And so I would suggest, though, that this issue isn't that hard to deal with. It's an issue of education. It's not an issue of sensitive people can't be here. Sensitive people need information about how to be in their body and their energy body in this physical world. I cannot count the number of clients who have completely changed their sense of being quote-unquote overly sensitive by just gaining information about their energy body management and using it and gaining information about their food and understanding food can make us leaky. Food can make us, give us integrity in our energy field. And we need to just accept that and work with it. So what's cool about this article, I think, is that it takes schizophrenia as an example. Um, and so I'm going to kind of work with this because it's a great story about a young, young man named Alex. So, um, so Somme suggests that there is a special receptivity uh, to a flow of images and information that cannot initially be controlled. And that that's part of what's going on potentially with things like – that are diagnosed as things like schizophrenia. And that when this kind of rush occurs at a, at a time that is not personally chosen and in particular it comes with images that are scary or contradictory, the person goes into a frenzy. And so Maladoma is commenting that he sees this here but he also sees this kind of thing in his own – people. Uh, what is required in this situation is first to separate the person's energy from the extraneous foreign energies by using a shamanic practice that he calls a sweep to clear the latter out of the individual's aura. So it's separating out these two energies that want ultimately to merge out of this confusion and overwhelm. And then with the clearing of the person's energy field, the person no longer picks up this flood of information and so no longer has a reason to be scared and disturbed and in a frenzy. So then the next step, Maladoma says, is it's possible to help, help the person align with the energy of the spirit world that's attempting to come through from the other world and thus give birth to this healing relationship and, uh, through the communication. And that the blockage of that energy is actually what's creating the problem. So not the presence of the spirit, but the actual blockage in the relation in a smooth relationship between the human and the spirit, which is one of the reasons learning to journey is so beneficial. If you're helping spirits can come to you through your journeys and you can go to them through your journeys, then this whole blockage craziness thing doesn't need to happen. So you can see here that what we would call giving birth to your relationship with your helping spirits via shamanic talk uh, maladoma is using the phrase giving birth to the healer that it's a concept it's not a job title now, the energy of the healer is a high voltage energy maladoma says when it is blocked it just burns up the person it's like a short circuit like fuses are blowing and we've talked about this many times on this show that these energies that need to come through us regardless of the end game gift that they're here to offer but the energies if we don't find a way to be in good relationship with them normalize them and work with them they burn us up right that is they are gifts denied can create harm and so this is why it can be really scary and i understand why this culture prefers to confine these people this is maladoma talking so here they are yelling and screaming and they're put into straitjackets. It's a sad image, he says. Again, the shamanic approach is to work on aligning the energy so there is no blockage, so that the fuses aren't blowing, and that the person can become the healer they're meant to be. And so again, this is Maladoma's language. I can see why it's getting re-quoted and reposted around the internet, but again, we're missing the meaning because we don't actually understand the fundamental assumptions Maladoma has from his own culture. 
And it needs to be noted at this point, however, this is melodoma again, that not all spirit beings that enter a person's energetic field are there for the purposes to promote healing. There are negative energies as well, which are undesirable presences in the aura. And in those cases, the shamanic approach is to remove them from the aura rather than to align the discordant energies. This is another mistake um, sort of superficial shamanic practitioners make when people with these challenging situations come to them is not being able to clearly discern the distinction between helping spirit energy and problematic energy. So then we move on to this kid, Alex. And so I'm just going to read this part from the article. So to test his belief in the shamanic view of mental illness holds true in the Western world as well as in indigenous culture, Dr. Somay took a mental patient back to Africa with him to his village. Um, I was prompted by my own curiosity to find out whether there's truth in the universality that mental illness could be um, connected with the alignment with a being from the other world. So Alex was an 18-year-old American who suffered a psychotic break when he was 14. He had hallucinations, was suicidal, went through cycles of dangerously severe depression. He was in a mental hospital where he had been given a lot of drugs, but nothing was helping. The parents had done everything unsuccessfully, and they didn't know what else to do. So with their permission, Maladoma takes Alex to Africa. So after eight, West Africa. So after eight months there, Alex has become quite normal. He has been able to participate with healers in the business of healing, sitting with them all day long and helping them, assisting them in what they are doing with their clients. He spent about four years in the village. Alex stayed by choice, not because he needed more healing. He felt much safer in the village than in America. And to bring his energy and that of the being from the spirit realm into alignment, Alec went through a shamanic ritual designed for that purpose, although it was slightly different from the one used with the Dagra people. Maladoma says he wasn't born in the village, so something else applied, but the result was similar, even though the ritual was not literally the same. And the fact that aligning the energy worked to heal Alex demonstrated to Maladoma that the connection between other beings and mental illness was indeed universal. And this is the piece we need to understand, is how a human and their connection with beings from the other world is how this is at work in what we diagnose as mental illness. And to treat it literally, not just pathologize the whole kit and caboodle. So... After the ritual, Alex began to share the messages that spirit that the spirit beings had for the world. Unfortunately, the people he was talking to didn't understand English because Melodoma was away. Nonetheless, the whole experience led to Alex's going to college to study psychology. He returned to the United States after four years because he discovered that all the things he needed to do had been done and that he could move on with his life. And the last that Dr. Somay um, heard was that Alex was in graduate school in psychology at Harvard and that no one had thought he would never been able to complete undergraduate studies, much less get an advanced degree. So there we go. So what to do? What are we learning? What is the point of all of this? So Maladoma says that to say that ritual is needed in the industrialized world is an understatement. We have seen in my own people that it is probably impossible to live a sane life without it. Now, I am totally on that bandwagon. So the rest of what I'm going to say here today is completely biased by my own personal experience about ritual. Spontaneous as what, well, but in particular, those that are crafted by spirit. So we go to spirit, we ask what ritual needs to be done to make blah, blah, blah happen. And so that this is not ever something that is going to be codified, but is something that is going to require people who are skilled in the art of shamanism, which is to bring in from spirit the rituals necessary for the situation in the moment and the ceremonies necessary. Just as Maladoma says in his story, Alex needed a particular kind of ritual that was familiar to the Dagra people, but because Alex had many other different aspects of his life, that since he wasn't Dagra, the ritual had to be changed. So it had to still function, but it had to be done differently. And this is the critically important part of this article. It's the most important thing in the article, actually. This whole the healer, every mental illness makes a shaman, is a dead end. That this is what we need to be looking at, is how do we become the kind of practitioners who can actually bring in 
rituals necessary to address these different kinds of mental illness based on what's actually going on between the person and the spirit world and not the diagnoses of the Western world, but accept the explanation, the function of the shamanic world. Okay, so back to Maladoma. So after seeing how well the shamanic approach worked for Alex, Maladoma concluded that spirit beings are just as much an issue in the West as in his community in Africa. Yet the question still remains, and the answer to the that Yet the question still remains. The answer to this problem must be found here in America instead of having to go all the way overseas to seek the answer. There has to be a way in which a little bit of attention um, beyond the pathology of the whole experience leads to the possibility of coming up with the proper ritual to help people. So another way of saying exactly what I just said. Maladoma has always believed, and this is from my experience working with him. This isn't in the article. So Maladoma has always believed that we must learn what his people do and why and how to, and how to ask spirit these questions, just as his people learned to ask spirit questions so they could learn what was going on and what to do about it. So their whole template of rituals and ceremonies that they do came to them through this relationship with spirit. Okay, so we need the same thing. So what? Uh, so that we need to know how to go to ask spirit, um, what is going on here? So what is the diagnosis? Like Maladoma was talking about the three different kinds of energies in the mental hospital, right? So we need to be able to ask spirit, what is going on here? Not accept the diagnosis handed to us by our contemporary culture, which is seeing things through a grossly different lens, but ask the spirits because that's the shamanic thing to do that's what makes it shamanism is that we are working in this relationship with spirit and then asking the spirit world what do we need to do to fix it and the thing is given how wildly out of balance we are as a culture this prospect is really scary and this goes back to what sandy was saying we as these practitioners who are willing to pioneer on this edge need to deepen ourselves so that we can actually experience the answers to these two questions. What is actually going on? And what do we need to do about it? And this is perhaps the part I enjoyed most about working with Maladoma is his pushing us there. So the end of the article, Maladoma is talking about what he sees as a certain, certain universality to what humans need through ritual. And this is again... Um, this work with ritual was one of the main reasons I chose to train with Maladomos, one of the few people I've actually trained you know, year after year with because I don't believe that we can directly import cultural rituals out of their culture and plop them into America and expect them to work because I understand inherently too much about how ritual and ceremony work functionally to believe that's going to be helpful. The beauty of working with Maladoma is he's looking at this universality and how do we do that and pushing us as contemporary American practitioners to take care of our own business, to learn the skills necessary to be able to truly take care of our own business and to look to these other cultures like Maladoma's to see what is the business. You know, we don't have to utterly reinvent the wheel, but we need to do invent but we do need to invent our own wheel. Well, and to know whether we need a wheel, do we need a pulley, you know, what are we looking for? A lever, crowbar, you know, what are we looking for? So Maladoma does, at the end of this article, bring up four primary kinds of ritual we really seriously need to look at. And, and he doesn't say this, but I think if we were to write another article, what it would say is, and if we were to do these four things really well, we would begin to really change the prevalence and the manifestation of mental illness in America. That's my little soapbox. But anyway, back to Maladoma. These are the things that he said. So the first one is um, being called by beings from the other world to cooperate with them in doing healing work is normal. And ritual allows uh, the person to move out of distress and to accept that calling. Um, 
Now, in, in truth, in my working with melanoma, I didn't actually see this happening with people working with melanoma. That I didn't see people getting the rituals necessary to make that relationship really work functionally. That we all ended up going to Africa to do that. Now, that was, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I don't know where Maladoma is in his work with people now. I mean, you have to create a certain base of people with enough skills to start creating rituals here for us. So I don't know where he is with that. Um, So I can't speak to that. But the point is valid, that we need to understand how to, like like the ritual, the, the adjusted ritual that the Alex kid experienced in Africa, we need to understand how to create a ritual process that allows a person to disconnect from the confusion and reconnect with the helping spirits in a way that the communication is direct and clear and applicable and is not traumatic for the person receiving the energy. And that's really important is you, the person, are not meant to suffer in the receiving of your spirit information, that it is a healing relationship for both. And that that's an important thing to understand. If you are suffering in your receiving of spirit information, then there's blockage and problems in the way. And so this is the kind of ritual and healing we need to understand how to create for people. Number two was... Um, Maladoma said we need to initiate the young into adulthood. Now, I've got a whole section of shows about that. And yes, we need to do that. And we need some adults, some actual spiritual adults to be able to begin to do that because the uninitiated cannot initiate the uninitiated. So yes to this. And this is one of the things that I see, you know, I'm building last mass community around the cycle teachings, Okay, so what? So that the spiritual adults in Last Mass Community who share a set of teachings, an entire shamanic cosmology and all the skills that go with it, and the healing rituals like Maladoma is talking about they've done to get there, can allow them then to begin to create a process of initiation for young people into adulthood, for elders into eldership for elders into dying and for the new ones coming in through the gates of birth, that this is my big vision is that the last mass community that is centered around the cycle teachings become people that can offer these rituals to the community at large. So, you know, what are y'all waiting for? Come on, let's go. We got four years of training to get through, to be able to be those people. So let's get on it. Okay. Back to Maladoma. Um, Number two He talked a lot about fire rituals that allow us to release um, stories, energies, blockage, limiting beliefs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the stuff that we carry and transform those inner energies um, into the freedom that allows our own nature, our own life force, creativity, and purpose to move through us. So long before I ever knew Maladoma even existed, this was a big part of the four-year cycle teachings. We come to the fire not constantly, because I've talked to people who do a fire ritual every month. And I'm like, well, so what? Where did that get you? Why are you talking to me? You know, it's like these, these rituals need to not just be this rote practice. Oh, my God, another fire ritual. Oh, my God, another fire ritual. But that we're actually going to them specifically and learning how to release these energies that block us, release the old stories, and open ourselves in a way that is creative and gives us time to manifest a truly new story. And so this is a big part of the teachings in the cycle teachings, actually. But back to Maladoma, a really important thing for us culturally to understand that fire, that grandfather fire is not just for making s'mores and roasting your weenies, you know, that there's actually healing work to be done with the fire. And then the final thing that Maladoma talks about is creating rituals that allow an actual connection with our ancestral helping spirits, um, meaning that the bloodline ancestors. And Maladoma says that unless the relationship between the living and the dead is in balance, chaos ensues. Welcome to America. That's Sorry, that was me, not Maladoma. <laughs> Maladoma said chaos ensues. I said welcome to America. Okay, Maladoma says that the Dagra believe that if such an imbalance exists, 
it is the duty of the living to heal their ancestors. And if these ancestors are not healed, their sick energy will haunt the souls and psyches of those who are responsible for helping them. And where have you all heard that before? So, in closing here today, I'll go back to Maladoma. So taking a sacred ritual approach to mental illness, rather than regarding the person as a pathological case, gives the person affected, and indeed the community at large, the opportunity to begin looking at it from that vantage point too, which leads to a whole plethora of opportunities and ritual initiative that can be very, very beneficial to everyone present. In the words of Dr. Maladoma Patrice Somme. And so I want to give thanks to Maladoma for coming all the way from Africa, spending most of his adult life here, helping us figure out how to help ourselves. So I give thanks to Maladoma and his ancestors and to the alligator spirit, to his family totem. So I give thanks to the ancestors who gather around us, to the earth below, the sky above, the heart that unites us all. And I want to encourage you all to join me at Mask of Illusion and the Authentic Self. It's happening August, this August, 20th through 25th, here outside of Portland. And this is the last chance, actually, to register for this this year because it will be happening next week. And this is the entry into the cycle and all this building of ritual skills I've talked about here today. Next week, we're going to continue exploring a shamanic view of mental illness by looking at the work of Gabor Mate, MD, and his book, When the Body Says No. So have a great week, everyone, and consider the need for ritual in your life.